Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Simply Amazing. Tim Ryder from the Apple. Guys, we are uh, having fun. Are we having fun yet? We, uh, you know, we've seen the Mets kind of deal with all types of adversity over the first few weeks. Uh, you know, inconsistency as far as games being played. Uh, you know, April's going to April. Uh, you know, it, all things considered, you really kind of have to be encouraged. Um, the offense, you know, <laughs> despite a slow start, despite the, uh, as Louis Rojas put it, the uh, the lack of game speed reps to uh, to kind of stay sharp. Um, you know, all in all, the Mets are you know doing doing what they can. They swept the Phillies. Uh, in a, well, supposed to be a four game series and a three game series in Queens this week. Went to Colorado, got snowed out on Friday, uh, came out firing on Saturday. Uh, you know, Jacob deGrom was doing his Jacob deGrom things, uh, you know, with every strikeout that he was notching, uh, during the nine consecutive, just one shy of Tom Seaver's franchise and major league record. Um, you know, you could just kind of feel that, that that energy coming to a crescendo. It was, uh, it, it was fun. Just, you know, you could hear Gary Cohen getting all worked up and uh, yeah, you know, it, you, every time he goes out, you kind of know that you're watching greatness. Um, Saturday during the first game, you could actually feel that greatness. It was actually, um, you know, it, it was, uh, it, it fired me up as a fan, you know, just kind of poking around on Twitter. You, you felt the same uh, energy coming from the fan base. It's, um, you know, it's, it, Exciting times. The Mets are off to a, a fine start despite uh, the hiccups. And, and you know, you really can't complain. The second game uh, on Saturday, the Mets kind of came out, uh, I guess you could say, flat. German Marquez looked um, – or Herman Marquez looked, uh, looked outstanding. Um, really just, you know, re- <laughs> doing what he wanted with the lineup. The Mets um, a-, a bit lifeless. But, you know, it's kind of all about – um, picking yourself back up. I spoke about that a little bit for the Apple on Sunday morning. Um, you know, you got to wipe that slate, slate clean. <laughs> Joey Lucchese um, looked terrific his first time out, had some trouble in the first inning on Saturday in the second game. You know, found his way, uh, put forth, I think, two more innings of scoreless ball. Gazelman came in. Uh, I know we all collectively held our breath for that, but that worked out fine. And Rojas went to Jacob Barnes in the second game. And, and keep in mind, it's a 3-2 game at the time, so things are close. Um, the Mets hadn't played in, since Wednesday, so uh, had a full-rested bullpen. After the first game, DeGrom went six, and Diaz closed it down uh, for the save in the seventh. Looked outstanding, by the way. Hitting 99, I think uh, I forgot who it was. He gave somebody four straight 99 mile an hour four seamers, and uh, yeah, good luck with that. So you have a full rested bullpen, but uh, in, in a close game, I know you got to get guys reps. And um, and Rojas is you know he's kind of tooted that horn as far as the confidence that they have in um in, in you know throughout their bullpen, but Jacob Barnes specifically, and and you know he said he's going to continue to get chances and and. Uh, you know, whether their matchups felt that Barnes was the best guy for that spot, uh, you know, we'll never know, but it didn't work out great. And again, in the big scheme of things, it's only one game, but you kind of have to, um, you know, <laughs> at the end of the year, look back and say, oh, darn, you know, that's a game that, you know, might have 
changed outcomes. You don't know. Hopefully it doesn't come down to that. But, um, you know, a game that was within reach and, and, and was lost possibly on a, on a, uh, a backfire decision in, in bringing Barnes in. But, hey, you, you can't win them all. You turn the page. Um, like I just said, you kind of wipe that slate clean. Speaking of wiping the slate clean, <laughs> uh, Saturday night, um, as you guys all saw, Jacob DeGrom let up three runs uh, in his start, but they were all unearned. Eno Saris, friend of the podcast and uh, just one of the best writers in the nation when it comes to baseball and statistics. And uh, yeah, anyway, uh, Eno was kind enough to kind of throw me a freaking meatball on Twitter on Saturday. Somebody asked him why the runs were not charged and <laughs> I took it and uh, he, he tagged me. He said, Timothy Ryder, do you know? And uh, I, I just, I fucking froze. I absolutely, you know, just shit the bed. I shanked it into the woods. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I did not know. I did not answer. And before I knew it, my mentions were filled with people who did know the answer. And, you know, of course, once I saw it, I'm like, oh, yeah, of course, that makes sense. And by the way, the answer was uh, the first run was unearned due to McNeil's throwing error. Uh, and the last run, um, of course, all the second run tied into that. And the last run was due to uh, Daza's sacrifice fly that scored a run on Conforto's wide throw. Uh, that should have been the final out of the inning. So Tapia's solo home run uh, came off of DeGrom's ledger too. Again, the, you know, this wasn't a trick question. I just, you know, fumbled the ball. These things will happen. Uh, I said it on the Apple on Sunday. If I could list every one of my fuck ups since jumping into this writing, blogging, podcasting game, uh, you know, I'd be here for a few hours. <laughs> you know, we turn the page, we keep moving forward. And, you know, that's kind of, where life and baseball tie in and the Mets are in the same boat. And I said it, I said it on Sunday, these things are not comparable, but there is a parallel. And, you know, we, you know, with only three games in a week, I kind of got to write about something. So, Hey, we had fun with it, but uh, the Mets came out Sunday and the offense wasn't quite there, but, um, you know, they got the job done and we'll get to that in a second, but there's a, you know, there's a lot to be concerned about. Just, you know, Lindor's not exactly hitting uh, slow starts from McNeil. Pete Alonzo's hitting the absolute shit out of the ball, but uh, it's not always finding grass, you know, the, the, or seats for that matter. Uh, Michael Conforto's had a slow start after a nice, um, I guess, a, a quick start and then cooled down considerably. Um, he's finding his way. Again, we'll get to all that in a second, but, you know, you just got to, Keep moving forward, man. You're always going to have, and this just goes for anything. You're always going to face adversity. You're always going to face, you know, hurdles. And, and you just, you know, you keep pushing through. And the Mets, I think, probably caught the, um, you know, the, the short stick uh, in many regards this week. Where, you know, you have Stroman's rain out on Sunday, the rotation being in flux through the week, that falling back into place, then more postponements, which <laughs> going to Chicago next week, the Mets might be in store for more. Um, yeah, you just kind of got to keep on plugging along, man. Um, you know, we talked about Diaz. He's kind of been a rock at the back of the bullpen. Trevor May, despite an unsightly ERA, uh, he's been terrific. I think he's striking out like 15 or 16 per nine innings. You know, there, there's enough talent throughout the roster that people are going to pick everyone else up. You know, there's going to be slumps. Hopefully there's not four guys slumping at once, but, you know, these things happen. You look at Luis Guillorme, you could look at, 
you know, Brandon Nimmo, who's just been a man on fire so far. I, I think he, I said it this morning, uh, well, Sunday morning, so this is before Sunday afternoon's game. But um, with only 11 games under his belt, Brandon Nimmo had 0.7 wins above replacement already racked up. Um, 16th in baseball. And again, with only 11 games played, I believe him and Tyler Naquin from the Reds, who had uh, also had 11 games and 0.5 wins above replacement within the top 50 current players in Major League Baseball by F4. Um, you know, Brandon Nimmo's only got 11 games and he's within, like I said, within the top 20. So, you know, guys are kind of pulling their own weight once this club has everybody pulling in the same way and maybe one guy slumping, but seven more guys just absolutely raking, Um, you know, watch out. This offense is going to fly, but on the flip side of that coin, and we saw it on Sunday, um, the Mets starting pitching, which has been outstanding heading into Sunday, I believe they were second in baseball, the starting rotation, 2.43 rotational ERA. Um, good for second in base. Again, we're only two weeks in. Let's not get ahead of ourselves, but it's a really encouraging start. Now that the bullpen's kind of falling into place, everyone's settling into roles, um, you know, it only kind of opens up those doors even further for the Mets to just continue pushing. And we've talked about it a bunch on the show. They have so much talent here that um, unless something goes drastically wrong, this is, it, it looks like this team should be in the mix. Um, you know, but it's going to be up to them to kind of keep those wheels uh, rolling and keep that train moving and whatever, you know, <laughs> whatever uh, phrase you want to use. It's just um, it comes down to, to to going out and executing. And that's been, you know, kind of a keyword coming out of uh, Mets clubhouse or in press conferences, you know, since the season started. Um, lack of execution issues with runners and scoring position. And, you know, even with the delays and the postponements, the Mets have found their groove to a certain extent. They're not firing on, on all cylinders just yet, but, but they're getting there. And, and uh, like I was saying, as long as the starting pitching can keep them in the game when the offense isn't producing, um, you know, it might be uh, flying by the seat of their pants status or, or situation um, until, you know, all of those kind of pieces fall into place. But there's no, um, you know, there's really no limit to how far this team can go. It's been it's built to compete. And, uh, you know, if they find themselves in the thick of things in July and they go out and make a couple of trades to reinforce that bottom line even further, you know, forget about it. This is going to be a, um, a powerhouse if it's not already. But you know, like, like we were saying, um, there's a lot of good things to, to take away. We're going to get into Sunday briefly, uh, shortly, I should say, um, a lot to talk about there. Marcus Stroman really, really, really making a, a push as the uh, <laughs> the anchor of this rotation. I mean, we'll get into all that in a second, but yeah, a lot of good things. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from our sponsors. We're going to talk about Sunday and uh, yeah, hang tight. We'll be right back. All right, guys, welcome back. Uh, as we were saying the Mets are doing what they can with the hand that they're being dealt. Luckily, injuries really haven't been an issue. It's been more of just staying on the field uh, with the weather. And, you know, April in the Northeast, this is par for the course. Uh, Sunday, or even through the weekend in Colorado, yeah, we didn't know what to expect. There's supposed to be cold weather. There's supposed to be some snow. And, you know, the Mets saw the effects. But um, 
as we said, they 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 did what they could with what they were uh, were given. They come into Sunday, and again, we just talked about kind of a, a letdown in the second game on Saturday after winning the first one. They come into Sunday, and um, you know, <laughs> they, they it's very early to say that this was a must win game against the Rockies, who aren't looking like a very competitive team uh, <laughs> on the field or in the, uh, in the front office. Uh, you know, we can get into the whole Arenado trade where they actually paid for their player to be their, their franchise player. They paid another team to take him and, and took like, you know, not to shit on prospects, but uh, I think slapdick prospects might be uh, selling these guys a little bit too high. I think Montero, El Harris Montero, um, Good young player, but again, not, not the type of return that you'd expect for Arenado. Anyway, we're getting off a tangent here. You go into Colorado, you'd love for the Mets to take all three. Uh, didn't happen, but Sunday, um, like I said, it's not a must win, but leaving Colorado with a series win, especially when Colorado is not a great team, it's, uh, it's as close to imperative as you can get. So the Mets come in and, you know, they – Again, they had their opportunities, hits in the beginning. Um, uh, oh, boy, I have my lineup right here. Anyway, they only strung together seven hits during the game. They only struck out seven times, too, which is real nice to see. But, boy, Marcus Stroman, man, um, and we said it about DeGrom a few minutes ago as far as keeping your team in the game when maybe the offense isn't producing. Man, Stroman, that's exactly what he did, and that's what he's been doing. You think he's three starts in now. Uh, after Sunday, we'll get into it in a little bit more detail, but he's, you know, sitting around the top of the uh, major league leaderboards and earned run average. His ground ball rate heading into Sunday was best in baseball among all starting pitchers. Uh, yeah, just, you know, the confidence that he exudes on the mound, we've seen it you know, over and over again. Um, and this is going back to like his final month of the 2019 season where he was just locked in and you saw the level of competitor that Marcus Stroman is and the uh, the level of deception that he brings on the mound. And, you know, he's not just going to out, out pitch. He's not going to outperform you physically. He's also going to outthink you. And it's, it's, you know, it's really a joy to watch. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, it's, it's part of the game. I know he rubs some people the wrong way and I don't personally subscribe to that. I don't get it at all. Uh, confidence is, is, awesome. I mean, just from a fan's perspective, seeing someone go out there and know that they're better than whoever they're facing. Um, you know, something we said about that, you tip your cap, however you want to put it, but that's, um, you know, that's, that's Marcus Stroman. He's not going to blow you away. I think his four seamer, which he's throwing a little bit more this season than he has in the past. That probably touches 94 occasionally, maybe. I think he hit 94 a couple of times on Sunday, but um, he's not going to blow you away. But, boy, he is going to hit his spots. He's going <laughs> to – after the game on Sunday, he was talking. And I wish I could – I wish I had it on video here. But he said my – he's like, I, I'm not going to – I'm going to hit my spots. But my – where I – pretty much where he said where I live is here. And he make, puts his palms together and thrusts, like, his hands away from his chest and then just splits his palms out. So it's going one, one hand's going one way, one hand's going the other. And if you look at his pitch graphs and his, his heat maps and his, his 3D visualization charts on StatCast, it's exactly what he does between his sinker, his cutter, and his slider um, and his release points, which is just consistent every time. You know, 
hitters have what a, a split second, maybe a half a second to decide if they're going to swing at something. And Strowman, you know, 20, 30 feet into the 60 feet, six inches, you still don't know what pitch you're facing. I, I just, you know, the level of concentration to be a major league hitter and deal with these, you know, assorted levels of just deception and, and otherworldly nasty stuff. Um, it's just, it, it, it's a, it speaks to, you know, you can never say, oh, wow, how is he swinging at that? Because again, you don't know what's coming until it's right in front of you. And, and Stroman's just, uh, he's an expert at, at keeping guys on their toes or putting them on their heels, I should say. And uh, really just keeping, keeping guys guessing. And that's, that's what he does. So he, he comes in on Sunday um, and you can see right away, he, he's, he's pitching to contact drawing ground balls. I, uh, on Twitter, I was putting the, uh, the Stroman, uh, ground, ground out counter and I was using worms, you know, worm burners. Uh, I think he was up to eight. He finished the day with 10 ground outs. So I'm sure that, that <laughs> league leading, uh, ground ball percentage is, uh, is likely, uh, still, still holding, uh, holding rank, but really he comes in and, and just does his thing. He retired, I think, 11 straight batters between the, I think he walked Dom Nunez with one out in the third and didn't let another base runner on until the seventh when uh, Charlie Blackman doubled, who eventually scored. But yeah, just, I mean, hitting the spots, mixing it up. Um, you know, when you got five pitches you can lean on uh, <laughs> and, and, and you're more than adept at, executing every one of them in any spot, changing speeds, changing locations. Um, you know, you don't stand a chance. And boy, when it, you can almost tell once he gets inside to inside a batter's head, because the batter's just, you could feel the level of uncomfortability through a screen. It's just, it, it's, you know, it's a sight to behold. It's great to watch. And you guys know me. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan of pitching and I could, boy, I could watch that shit all day. So, you know, just totally economical, totally efficient. Um, I believe he had 77 pitches going into the eighth inning. So, you know, just working absolutely brilliantly. And, you know, we've seen DeGrom go into the eighth inning. At, you know, it, I should say it's rare that we see DeGrom go into the seventh or eighth inning at such a low pitch count. But, you know, it's just the way that Stroman operates. As we were just saying, he's not a uh, – blow you away type of guy. He's going to attack you meticulously. And, and that's, it's what he did. It's almost like he looks at opposing hitters, heat maps and, you know, their, their hard hit charts and he's not going to go for, or I should say they're, they're complete zone charts, but he, it's, it's almost like he's not focusing on whiff rates or, or like the, uh, the higher percentage whiff zones. He's, he's looking at guys, um, he's looking more along the lines of your softest contact. That's where he's going to. He doesn't want to waste four pitches on you. He wants to spend two on you, get you to ground out like he always does and get on to the next guy. And, and really he's executing this plan to a T. I really have to start incorporating video and stuff. We're going to move to YouTube soon. I promise. But um, if I had the charts here, I believe it was Trevor Story. Trevor Story's weakest spot is high and outside. In his first at bat, I want to say, Stroman, it's almost like he teased it. He went up once and then he went inside twice. And he went back out and he got, he got Story to ground out, maybe line out. Anyway, 
got him out. Story didn't notch a hit until his RBI single in the seventh. Um, just, you know, absolutely just genius level shit, bro. It's, um, it's, it's just, and it's exciting to watch. It's exciting to think about where this rotation might be in a couple of weeks when Carrasco comes back in six weeks or whatever, when Syndergaard comes back, when you have, you know, elite level depth in Lucchese and Peterson and Yamamoto all there. Um, if you need them, whether you want to go open or whether you want to stretch into a six man rotation to kind of stretch out, you know, I guess conserve the energy of your staff who only had what 11, 10, whatever starts last year a piece um, or, or whatever the situation may be, you know, you have all this competent available efficient and effective depth that, um, that can really just reinforce the bottom line of uh, this rotation that when it's, you know, full and when it's at its capacity with all of its, uh, you know, all the guys who are supposed to be in there, I should say. So you have your DeGrom, you have your Stroman, your Taiwan Walker, your Carrasco, your Syndergaard. I mean, just saying that top five, that is, a, uh, <laughs> that's an unbelievable rotation. I mean, you go into October with a, with a rotation like that, you have to make some tough decisions on, you know, where does Stroman fit? Where does Walker fit? Where does Syndergaard fit? Imagine Syndergaard coming out of the bullpen in October, blowing 101 past you. Oh, my gosh. We're getting ahead of ourselves. But really, I mean, this is what they're setting themselves up for. Back to Sunday, though. <laughs> Sorry. You guys know me. I love my tangents. Back to Sunday. Uh, Stroman gets through. He's just, you know, mowing guys down. Um, and doing it with five pitches. He's doing it with confidence. He's doing it with a little bit of uh, panache, with precision. You know, he started using the split finger changeup again on Sunday. I think in his start versus Philly. So this, it was his second start versus the Phillies. Uh, after the first one, which he used the splitter, maybe I think it was like eight times. Only threw it three times against the Phillies in his, in his last start. On Sunday, he came out and threw it 13 times. And, uh, also used his four-seamer just to, to terrific results. Um, and you can actually go back and, and see exactly where he kind of implemented that plan. So he talked about it. He said, my, I'm going to quote here. My bread and butter is my sinker, my cutter, my slider as well. I always pitch to my strengths. As the year progresses, I'll have opportunities to expose some hitters with the four-seam up and splitter down. I do have those two weapons in my back pocket. So let's take it back to the seventh inning. So uh, Blackman doubles. Story knocks him in to make it a 2-1 game. And still with a runner in scoring position, uh, you know, Stroman just absolutely attacks C.J. Cron. Um Goes outside, outside, and then upstairs with like a – that was the 94-mile-an-hour four-seater. And just blew him away. It's almost like he had no idea it was coming. And when you're looking at, you know, mid-80s and low-90s uh, throughout in the bat, and then you get 94 going, you know, right past your chin, you know, I I'm no professional ball player, but I would find that extremely difficult <laughs> to catch up to. Um, and then Garrett Hampson, who is, you know, C.J. Cron is – I could we could probably say with confidence that he's more of a threat than Garrett Hampson is, but uh, – Boy, Stroman was just kind of toying with him. Uh, I think it was a couple of sinkers, and I should have the charts in front of me, but I don't. 
But um, attacked him with a couple of fastballs, attacked him with a cutter, and then dropped a splitter low in the zone. And he was just, you know, he stood no chance. That's what Strowman does. We just talked about it. He's going to outthink you. He's going to out-strategize you. And it's, um, it's just very fun to watch. So, you know, we'll go back to it. I'll say it again. On the day like Sunday where the Mets offense just wasn't there, seven hits, you know, I think, you know, who did we have on Sunday doing things? Uh Pete Alonso had went two for four. Conforto went two for four. Pete Alonso six for his last twenty-one, by the way. So I would keep an eye on him this week for a, a, a bit of a, a resurgence. You guys all caught that missile he hit in the first game on Saturday. Boy, that thing got out fast. Uh, his two hits on Saturday. He had two. All right, so his two base hits on Saturday, both singles. One hundred ten point four miles per hour off the bat. 112.4 miles per hour off the bat. His ground out, 100.5 miles per hour off the bat. He He's just tattooing pitches. I think he entered Sunday with a 99.9 mile per hour average exit velocity, uh, leading baseball by a, you know, by a wide margin. Again, it's early, but boy, Pete's, um, his ceiling is just so high. And, you know, that 53 homer Pete that we saw in 2019, just from looking at him, and again, this is an amateur point of view, but uh, he's right there. Boy, he's right there. And guys are going low on him again, and they're throwing breaking pitches at him. And it's almost like they knew they, – they're major league pitchers. Of course they know, but they know how to attack a guy who's looking fastball and who's being selected. Pete said it all spring. He's very, very stingy about what he's going after. He's not chasing pitches. So guys are going to do their best to kind of disguise their breaking pitches and and drop them in there. And, you know, mostly it's been low sliders and and, and big swooping curves that kind of bounce on the plate. Um, you know, Pete's almost been, I guess, susceptible to it, even more so. But, you know, he's going to get there. Like we just said, he's got so much power and so much potential to do damage and you know he's going to find his groove and it's the cat and mouse guys are going to make adjustments again it's going to be on Pete to kind of just keep up with the Joneses and he can do that uh, Michael Conforto uh, after his <laughs> extremely uh, frustrating stretch of infutility at the plate uh, he's been kind of coming around he went two for three on in the first game on Saturday uh, 0 for 3 in the second game, but then went 2 for 4 again on Sunday. I think he's 4 for his last 10, including uh, in this in this series. And he spoke a little bit after the game and just kind of, you know, plugging away. And it, it's going to come and, you know, patience. If, if you if you push and if you force it, it's just going to um, set you back. It's, uh, you know, <laughs> it goes for any situation, any walk of life. You know, you kind of just got to let nature take its course and, you know, trust your uh, – What's the phrase I'm looking for? You got to trust your talents. And and this roster has a shitload of talent. But, you know, Brandon Nimmo, like we said, he's on fire. He stretched his on-base streak to 24 games. That's going back to 2020. He had an eighth-inning single. Uh, J.D. Davis, just back off the I.L., had an RBI single on Sunday. Uh, he was activated on Saturday. Uh, got the start at third. I hope this doesn't push Luis Guillorme out. I'll talk about him real, real quick. Uh being able to <laughs> provide reliable and versatile bench depth and start when you need and not really 
when, when, when the team starts Guillaume, they don't got to worry about much of a drop-off in production. If, if anything, sitting them is when the drop-off in production comes. And now with J.D. Davis, you know, back in the mix and Jonathan Villar's been hitting the ball, um, you know, the Mets have options at third and you, you kind of have – well, you, yeah, you do. You really – you have to get Davis's bat in there and third base is really the only spot that you can put him. Uh Giorme's going to find spots, and, and even if he's coming in as a pinch hitter, and he said it himself. He said it through the spring, and, you know, whatever the Mets need him to do, he's going to do. Uh, that's just the, the player he is, and, um, you know, a versatile bench cog is exactly what the Mets kind of need. You know, if Lindor needs a, needs a rest, or if McNeil doesn't come out of his slump and he needs a day, or or just matching up at third base. And we're talking about it on Twitter with a couple of people, and we've talked about it a bunch. Like, there's no reason that on days when Stroman or when Carrasco's healthy or um, DeGrom, all these guys who induce all these ground balls, you want your most talented defensive infield out there. And, you know, this is no knock on the Mets. Their defense has been much, greatly improved this season. And Rojas made a point of, you know, making that a, 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 an area to address in the spring. And so far it's, you know, they're looking great. Brandon Nimmo looks outstanding in center field. And I know the bar wasn't set all too high, uh, especially after last year, but boy, moving him back a few feet and kind of letting him, letting the game, literally letting the game come to him and let him, it gives him just an extra second of adjusting time of, uh, of adjusting time, I should say. And, it's paid off well. He made a really nice play on Sunday. He made a very nice play on Saturday in the first game, I believe. Um, a couple of nice plays during the week uh, versus Philly at City Field. You know, it's um, there's a lot to be encouraged about there. Is he going to win a Gold Glove in center field? No, probably not. But his sprint speed is the fastest it's been. I think he's up near 29. He's leading the team. 29 feet per second. 30 feet per second is what's considered elite. And, uh, you know, Nimmo's just, you know, he's <laughs> – we've all seen him develop, and we all think, all right, this is the player Nimmo is. And then he just keeps on adding facets to his game. And, you know, the the early line that he has so far is just ridiculous. Uh, 470, I think 471 he's hitting. Some crazy thing like that. I don't even have it in front of me. But, you know, he's going to draw his walks. Now he's getting hits. If he's going to start poking doubles and he's going to start playing solid center field, um, you know, there's no reason that Brandon Nimmo can't be in a, in, a, in a conversation for an all-star spot come this summer. In Colorado, by the way, that, that would be quite a little story. He's from the uh, – well, not from Colorado. He's from Wyoming. But, you know, when you're in the middle of nowhere like that, I guess – it's all close, <laughs> but you know, there's just um, so many bright spots. And even in comparison to downtimes for some guys, those bright spots are going to carry kind of carry everything through and, you know, push everybody along. And it's uh, you know, it's cool to see, but um, guys, we are back on Friday. Yeah. We're back on Friday. Trying to line up some fun guests. Uh, hopefully the Mets get in all three on uh, Tuesday through Thursday in Chicago against the Cubs. They're expecting snow on Tuesday night, I believe. So we'll see what happens there. But then on Friday, um, the Mets are back at City Field. They're hosting the Nationals. 
I presume we're going to be getting our first uh, Friday night black jerseys next Friday. So that's going to be uh, that should be fun. We, we, you guys already saw we have the uh, the black simply amazing logo popping up on our uh, our Twitter feed and on the uh, the Apple when we release our episodes. So we'll have that going. And yeah, I hope you guys are having fun. I'm having a blast. And uh, yeah, we'll see you on Friday. Let's go Mets. And yeah, follow the Apple, follow, uh, follow me on Twitter, subscribe to the Apple. That's always fun. Yeah. You guys know the drill by now. Uh, iPods, uh, excuse me, iPod, Jesus Christ, Apple pods, Spotify, Google podcasts, anywhere you listen to podcasts, you know where to find us, subscribe, rate, review, and we'll see you Friday. Let's go Mets. Mets.